Money FM 89.3, the best of your money. Money and me on your money, only on Money FM 89.3. It is time for your S REIT overview. It's the first one for the year here on Money FM 89.3. This is Money and Me. I'm Michelle Martin. It's 2023, and continued resilience seems to be the phrase I keep coming up against when I speak with market watchers who have their eyes on the S REIT market. The IEDGE S REIT index is down close to 17% in the year to date, and in comparison, the benchmark Straits Times Index. Has climbed nearly five percent over the same period. So today we're asking: Is resilience really the key word for S REITs as we move into 2023? Or with many expecting the U.S. Fed's projections for interest rates to exceed five percent this year, is cautious optimism maybe a better phrase? Given the higher costs of capital, also on the REIT radar for Singapore, SPH REIT no longer exists. It was bought last year by Cuscaden Peak, so it's gone through a name change, and we'll talk about that a little later and ask what this augurs for the REIT. To help us as we take a step back for our 2023 S REIT overview, Kenny Low is a REIT specialist and independent financial advisor. Good morning, Kenny. Happy New Year. Good morning, Michelle. Happy New Year, and welcome back. Great. Yeah, thank you so much. Great to speak with you again. All right, we'll get going with J.P. Morgan's cautious outlook on S REITs for 2023. So back in December, J.P. Morgan said it had a cautious outlook for Singapore REITs, saying that they expect a decline in distribution per unit, as well as a potential economic slowdown to weigh on share price performance in 2023. So for all our investors listening in, share with us your thoughts on this. Do you agree with J.P. Morgan, Kenny. Yeah, in, in general, I agree with uh, JP Morgan. Uh, there may be a potential drop in a DPO moving into a 2023, but not all the rate and all the factor will be affected by the DPO. It very much depends on the individual rate, uh, mm-hmm. how they manage the top line. Top line basically is coming from the property income, and also how they manage the cost. Cost mainly come from the operating cost and also the cost, and that will deliver the bottom line. If they are able to continue to increase the top line through the merger and acquisition, just bear in mind that in 2021, some of the uh, big cap REITs they have gone mm. through a, a massive M&A and acquisition of some of the property itself, and they expected mm. those property income to be start to deliver in maybe 2023. So for those REITs, if they are able to continue to increase the top line, the bottom line may not be really uh, affected. The DPO will be continue to grow, but on another aspect. If we have a severe recession and also slow down in the global economy, coupled with the high Fed fund rate or maybe more than five percent, that will have an impact on their、uh, bottom line, and that will impact the、uh, DPO growth going forward. But on another hand, if if the rate itself,、uh, they are able、mm. to pass on、uh, the cost increase and also have a shorter lease expiry. They can、uh, have a positive rental reversion and also capture the rise in the, the rental income. That we also can give a boost in the DPO. So that's why the JP Morgan they mentioned that they have a mix and also an annual performance of the average return DPO. It very much depends on individual performance. 
Fantastic overview there. So with a view on the top line and the bottom line management, as you've seen so far, which sectors do you think offer relative resilience ahead of perhaps the uh, Fed hike that we're expecting for this year? At the present moment, I see that the industrial sector, because so far their lease expiry profile is, is comparatively uh, long compared to the retail sector, and also they have been delivered quite a consistent CPO performance for the past few quarters. And at the same time, that the lease itself is not so easy for the tenant, for industrial sector and also warehouse, and to, to really switch to energy easily because they have already... Uh, invested in the capex to, to build out the operation. So, so the stickiness on, on those uh, properties is there. So in terms of the resiliency itself, I would say that will be the industrial sector. That is the most vulnerable in a high interest rate environment? The most vulnerable one uh, based on the latest last day of the announcement by Manual Life US Street. It was a surprise. It was a surprise that uh, Manual Life US Street actually announced a 10%, close to 10% drop in the portfolio value and also close to 18% drop in the net asset value. And that actually shoot up the gearing to 49%. It's it, it very close to the 50% requirement set by MAF. I would say that right. the most vulnerable sector would be the US Street commercial office. The reason being is, at the present moment, they're caused by the double whammy. One, one of them is a low occupancy rate because the work from home trend uh, still, still persists in U.S. They are not so obedient like us. Everybody uh, in Asia <laughs> can come back to the office. The Americans, they are still prefer to work from home. Uh, that's one to cause the low occupancy rate. And the other mm. thing is the valuer that actually they are using a higher discount rate due to the higher uh, interest rate. That will probably create the ripple effect to the whole U.S. sector because everybody will be worried about their valuation will drop, the NAV will drop. At the same time, they may breach the, some of the gearing limit requirements. All right. Still on that theme of the Fed's projections for December having been updated and with many expecting rates to exceed 5% this year, when we take a step back and look at the full impact of those hikes, uh, which REITs do you think could be beneficiaries with investors looking at REITs as safe harbour? Safe harbour, I would say that there are two of the sector which have a very clear visibility moving forward uh, due to the China reopening. I would say that in order for the REIT to have a growth in TPO uh, moving forward in the next few quarters, if nothing changes, uh, especially when it comes to the COVID infection, hopefully there will not be any COVID-2023. Uh, I mm-hmm. would say that it will be a retail sector and hospitality sector due to the China reopening. Because you can imagine at the present moment, if you have a chance to really shop around Singapore itself, the whole Singapore is so crowded. Right? Yeah. That the mm-hmm. China tourists still not in yet. You just imagine that if everybody come to Singapore and and basically you give a big boost into the hospitality sector and also retail sector in Singapore. Yeah, that's a great point. Great point. Do you think that rate hikes could influence share price movements of S rates? At the present moment, the risk sector itself has already priced in the Federal Reserve terminal rate close to five percent by the end of 2023. If you look at the dot plot uh, published mm-hmm. in December 2022, terminal rate will probably hit the peak at 5.25 by end of 2023 and the interest rate will start to reduce to 4.25% in 2024. And this has already, in, in the whole internet itself, everybody know about that. I think that 
from the investment uh, investor uh, sentiment they have already priced in. What is not priced in yet is the, the recession. Because at the present moment, we still do not know whether we are and you'll be entering into the severe recession and the operation, the bottom line may be affected. But there are a lot of moving elements here because when you're talking about uh, the, the severe recession at site, we are also talking about the China reopening. That may trigger another wave of a revenge spending, revenge traveling. Maybe China can help us to get out of this recession. Who knows? Yeah, we're going to talk about China's reopening in just a while, Kenny. But just days ago, Singapore raised its GST from 7 to 8%, and that marks the first of two scheduled hikes of the GST, the second slated to take place in January 2024. We're going to see GST up from 8 to 9%. So slowing consumption is expected after that initial retail rush to beat the rise in rates. In terms of impact on SREIT investors, what do you expect? Personally, I say that there's no impact. First thing first is we just need to take note that GST only affects the local consumption in Singapore. Right? Mm-hmm. So there, there are only small percentage of the REIT that have 100% of property in Singapore. So that, that's the first thing. And majority of them actually, they have a property overseas. Right? Whatever happened in Singapore in terms of GST, unlikely you'll be affected on those uh, property in the overseas. Right? That's the first thing. And second mm-hmm. thing is, uh, for those to call the REIT which have the two rental income component, one is a fixed rental plus a variable rental, and the re- uh, variable re- revenue, that will only be impacted by uh, slowing down on consumption. But this can be easily offset by the arrival of a China tourist. Because I don't think a China tourist will come to Singapore to spend, they worry about this 1% increase. I don't think they bother, right? And, and mm-hmm. not because of this 1% of the GSC, they are not staying in the hotel. They are still spending money here. They are still uh, staying in the hotel here. That, that's more on the uh, consumption side. If you look at the tenant side and also the landlord side for the uh, commercial uh, office building and also industrial building or even the healthcare sector like hospital, I don't think the 1% will move the tenant away, right? They are not because of this 1% a GSC increase, they, they're going to shift to another location. The stickiness right. is there. That's why mm. I, I don't think the GSC will have any impact. All right. Let's look at China's reopening then. It's a major step towards reopening borders that have been shut nearly three years. China's saying it will do away with quarantine requirements for overseas arrivals from January 8th. China was Singapore's largest source of inbound tourists from 2017 to 2019. 19% of total visitor arrivals were Chinese tourists for the year in, before the pandemic struck. So... Is it time to look a little closer at SREITs with high exposure to China's market, Kenny? I would say that it needs to be very selective. And at the present moment, if the investor to have too high exposure to China REIT itself or, mm-hmm. or the REIT with China exposure need to be very careful. The reason being is Singapore REIT with a China exposure, they have quite a, a weak balance sheet. They have a high gearing and also high interest cost. At the same time, they're also having the low ICR, interest coverage ratio, plus mm-hmm. the high percentage of secured borrowing. And under the current environment, macro environment on the, some of the debt crisis in the property sector in China, probably they were facing difficulty in refinancing because the bank in China would be very careful uh, lending money up to the property sector during this uh, weak economic 
they probably will have a series of very tight uh, due diligence to be done on the rig itself. That's why you can see that actually EasyWorks, they are not able to uh, refinancing so easily and the sponsor have to step in to really help them. So yes. uh have yes. to be very, very selective because not because of the reopening itself, it's more on the balance sheet itself. Kenny Lowe is my guest, REIT expert, independent financial advisor, and you're listening to Money and Me with me, Michelle Martin. So there are five S-REITs and property trusts with pure exposure to China assets. There are Sasser REIT, BHG Retail REIT, Dassin Retail Trust, that's a property trust, and Capital Land China Trust and EC World REIT, which I want to focus on a little. Uh, it's a Singapore real estate investment trust with a geographic interest in China and its portfolio spans e-commerce, supply chain management, logistics, real estate related assets. Now, earlier in October, EC World REIT announced it would be divesting two of its Chinese logistics assets for a total of $392.7 million. Part of the divestment proceeds were earmarked for the to repay its loans and under the plan the sponsor will be providing uh, funding to let the REIT settle a portion of its mandatory repayment so with China reversing its COVID policies what do you think this means for EC World? It seems like it, it was struggling to, to meet its financial obligations and If you look at the EC World the fundamental business they are in the e-commerce logistics and supply chain I write mm-hmm. during the COVID lockdown, the, the e-commerce and supply chain do, should be doing well. The problem is, is it's more on the operation side. So the problem of easy work is not the operation side. And, and this uh, China reopening is down. Actually, it helps in the operation. But the biggest problem of easy work is the debt management. Because if you look at the balance sheet itself, the, the underlying property is 100% secured. That means that if they are not able to really repay the payment, the creditor can come in to process the property. That's why they've got no choice. They have to sell away some of the, divest some of the property so that to raise cash. And at the mm. same time, their interest cost is 4.8%, right? And also mm-hmm. at the present moment, the, the interest coverage ratio is, is quite low at 2.7 times uh, with close to 40% gearing. So debt management is a big challenge. And at the present moment, due to the time factor, they do not really have enough time to really look for the uh, new funding. They are quite desperate to, des- uh, to divest away their property. But if you just look at the current, current uh, macro, they are running out of time. And the whole uh, property sector in China is tightening. And the valuation is dropping. How are you going to divest at a good price and with a good buyer? So during this period, I would say that unlikely they actually can divest at a good price. But for, they got no choice. They, have, they just have to divest and, and raise cash and also solve those balance sheet issues. All right. So name change for SPH Real Estate Investment Trust. The names of its security, its counter, its manager, all reflecting its uh, new name that's come in, Paragon REIT is what it's known as. It was formerly known as SPH REIT, but it was bought last year by Cuscadon Peak. So it will continue to be led by the current management team. It says it will retain its investment mandate and its existing portfolio of assets. In 2022, SPH REIT's units fell 10%. Right, Cuscadon Peak and the REITs unit holders have got to be hoping that this new name change is going to bring the Real Estate Investment Trust better fortune this year than last. First up, Kenny, what do you think this name change signifies? I think the name change is the first step of really moving away from SPS. Because in terms of the name itself, SPS looks like a very old name. 
Pentagon is more look like more futuristic and something more atas the name in terms of name. <laughs> <laughs> but I think I think moving forward there will be some changes in terms of this uh, Paragon read. There are three possibilities the way I look at it because mm. I don't think that they change name for the sake of changing a name. Probably the management team has been have been planning for the next step. So the first step will be uh, probably. They will continue to do the acquisitions because they have a selector more and also would need more uh, in the pipeline. They have a right of first refusal to really acquire property into the the Paragon Reed portfolio itself. But personally, I feel that it's quite difficult for them to do this acquisition under the current environment of a high interest rate, and also yeah. any acquisition will not be any yield accretive. Right? They unlikely they're going to raise additional rights or ability to do acquisition. So it is quite tough to really for them to grow for a time being. But that is the first probability. The second probability would be to be acquired by maple tree related background which okay is it, a speculation and also based on my analysis because maple tree has a state in the Cascaden case. There there is one of the sponsors. So if you look at the footprint, you look at the portfolio itself Probably there are some synergy and also fit into the regional expansion plan laid down by the MPAC, Maple Tree Pan Asia a Commercial Trust because Paragon Reed has a property in Australia. MPAC does not have any retail in Australia. And, mm. also, and also Paragon have a good property in Clementine Mall and also Paragon. Who knows? Maybe, maybe it really fit into the MPAC expansion strategy. That would be the second probability. The third probability would be we have the new read on the board, if you can remember. Link read just recently mm. acquired Jurong Point and also Thompson. Right, Plaza? And in yes. Link read has indicated very clearly they want to have an overseas expansion. Singapore is one of the developed, developed market they want to expand into. Maybe, maybe that can be the additional portfolio uh, uh, Link Reed is looking into it. So that, I would say that that would be the three uh, possibility or three options at the present moment. I can see. Fantastic overview. And Link Reed listeners, managed by Link Asset Management, is the first real estate investment trust in Hong Kong, currently the largest in Asia in terms of market cap. Now, if we go back to Paragon Reed, the units were down about 0.6% last Thursday. Right now, trading at about 90 cents, no price change there. All right, final thoughts, Kenny. What is your outlook for Singapore REITs in 2023? And if we go back to our original question, is resilience or a continued pickup a good phrase for S REITs? Uh, there are a lot of opportunity in the S REIT itself in 2023 because based on the average price to both, we are having 20% discount to the price to book value. 20% discount is as close as the March 2020 during the COVID market crash. If you look at the macro environment itself, the current situation, the economic situation, and also the growth in the uh, rental income actually is much more better than 2020. There are opportunities here and there uh, for S rate, but we need to be selective because uh, rising interest rate will really dampen the valuation itself and some of the rate, the gain ratio will be increased. Then that mm. will affect their refinancing. Right, so so need to be uh, selective and also careful in 2023. Definitely, we can uh, pick up some good read and also lock in interesting and also attractive you over our long-term investing. 
A lot of possible interesting plays, Kenny. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. Kenny Lowe is a REIT specialist and independent financial advisor. This is Money and Me. I'm Michelle Martin. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A W E D I O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.